0: Well, brothers and sisters, so this evening, as we know, we are gathering to remember the birth of Jesus Christ. We do remember that 2,000 years ago, around 2,000 years ago, in our history, God himself, he did become a human being. He really did he he was born a mere baby he walked on this very earth he lived a perfect life of miracles and teaching and love he went to the cross to die for sin he then rose again and one day whenever he sees fit he is going to come back here and make everything good and right and beautiful again that is what happened in history that's where we are now and that is what will happen in history and to explain that, at the Christmas story, really any part of Jesus' life, again, we could have gone to many places in God's word. But the reason I chose this one verse here in John 1.14 for this Christmas evening is simply this. And this will be our one main goal together. It's simply because what I hope we all leave here realizing is that what we're talking about tonight And what you saw that Christmas story rendition about and and what we're singing about tonight and remembering, namely Jesus' birth, but also his life, death, and resurrection. I hope we all leave here realizing that that all really is glorious. Glorious. Or as our verse says, I hope we each leave here personally saying about Jesus, you know what? I have seen his glory. And and I know if you're newer to Christianity or even if you've been a Christian for some time, that word glory can seem a little bit confusing because it can sound so religious or otherworldly or unattainable. But in short, mainly what that word glory meant back then when the Bible was written was it talked about something substantial, something weighty, something as we might say truly awesome or interesting or captivating. And so our goal this morning is to briefly look at, or this evening is to briefly look at Christmas and what was really going on when Jesus came into the world and what it means for you and I, and hopefully then to genuinely say, you know what, that is glorious. He is glorious. And so, and so that's our goal. And in order to do that, we will simply have two quick sections together this evening on this one verse, two quick sections. And as for what they are, very simply put, first, we're going to look at the first part of this verse, and then second, we will look at the second part. And we'll do that because, as we'll see, these two parts sum up, in a way, some reasons why Jesus' coming was and still is so glorious. And so in summary, that's where we'll be going in these next 15 minutes or so. Our goal is to each see Jesus' coming as truly glorious. And, and why was Jesus' coming so glorious? Well, two reasons. One in the first part of this verse and one in the second part. But all that said, let's then begin then with our first section in the first part of verse 14 here. And so the goal is to see Jesus' glory, why Jesus is so amazing, and, and so what's the first reason why Jesus' coming is so glorious according to this verse? Well, you can see it for yourself because the verse starts with, quote, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And stopping right there, that one statement that begins that verse truly is incredible. Because if we had more time, we could look more in detail at the first paragraph that opened up this whole book of John, and there we would see who this, the Word, is. And who is the Word? Well, he's the one, apparently, who was there in the beginning. He's the one who created everything. He is the source of life. He's the source of all goodness and light. That's the Word. And in basic, as we know, that's God. And think about it, when, when we think of God like that, or really if you were to tap almost anyone on the shoulder and ask them to describe God, they, they usually would describe God as things like that. Right? Meaning people usually now do think of God as the one who was there at the beginning or as the one who made everything or as the source of life or as being all powerful and even good. That is how most people think of God. And that's in a sense a very good thing because all of that is absolutely true and those are big things concerning who even the word here is so far in John chapter 1 but do you know what else is true about the living God and what is particularly glorious about this God well it's that the same God who is eternal the creator the source of life all powerful and all good he really did become one of us (laughs) And that is astonishing because I know we've probably all heard that so many times that the Bible teaches that God came here, that Jesus is God. But back then, as you may know, the typical philosophy was that God, the the unmoved mover, being spiritual, he he couldn't have anything now to do with this creation because they thought back then creation is so non-spiritual and it's so broken. And now for you and I today in our culture, often we have a similar view, but it's not that this creation is technically non-spiritual, but we tend to think that if that's God, he, he must exist kind of far away. He doesn't have much to do with lowly people like us. But what the Bible is saying here is that actually both of those are not the case concerning the reality of the living God. Because yes, it is true that the world we live in is fallen and all of us are sinful. And so there is a lot of darkness here. And yes, it is true that God himself reigns above his creation. And he is totally separate from it in a sense because he made it. But also, what's gloriously true is that 2,000 years ago, he did come here. And why? Well, to do something about this broken creation. To help us who are sinful. And he came to take those who had fallen far away and to bring us back. And in really brief, that is what this first phrase, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, is starting to get at. Because what that verse is saying is that an ultimate reality, the word, God who made everything and knows everything, and yes, he sees all of our sin. He, He doesn't just sit back and see everything. Nor does he merely just rule above everything and know about you and I. Instead, he entered in to this very earth, as we know in the Christmas story. And he even became a little baby, as crazy as that sounds. And again, he did that to do something about what's wrong with us and our world. And really, when we think about it, the point is that is glorious. (laughs) It's astonishing, it's amazing, and I hope you personally do see that glory. And so that's the first thing that we see here about why Jesus' coming is so amazing, so glorious. But now at least the second thing in the second part of our verse here. So Jesus being God himself is substantial, it's amazing, it's glorious. But then the question we may have is, but if that's true, right? If God really were to come, well, what would he be like? How would he act? How would he reveal himself to be if he really were to dwell among us? And on that now, now notice how that verse ends. So, So the Bible says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. And what's his glory like? Well, the Bible explains we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And both of those phrases do explain who the living God truly is. Because think about it, when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about Christmas, we're not just talking about God coming, that's true. But when God came, of course, he must have so deeply revealed who he is. And so the question is, well then, who is he? Who is God? What is his glory? What is he like? And the answer here is first, is that his glory is as of the only Son from the Father. And that might sound confusing, but that does mean that in ultimate reality, I hope you know, God is a family. The Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, and the Spirit is the love between them. And and that's why, by the way, it's why families are so important in our world, because we're made in God's image. And that's why God has always been a God of love. God is love, as the Bible says, all because the Trinity, as we call it, shows us that God has always been full of relational love. And so that's the first thing that God revealed himself here in Jesus. In short, he showed that he, as God, is love. He's always forever been in relational love. But not only that, but then when God came and revealed his glory, as the verse then ends, he showed his glory is, quote, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of, and, and full of what? Well, ask yourself, I know it's up there, but ask yourself, how would you fill in that blank? If you were to have to answer, well, God's glory is full of, maybe you'd think full of just power, full of uh, fear, full of just commands or requiring or subjection. But no, and really it's it's so important to realize that that is not what the Bible says here about God's glory. Instead, the Bible is clear. God's glory is of the only Son from the Father and it's full of grace and truth. And and I don't know, maybe going in detail through a verse like that has been a lot, but now that we've covered basically everything in that verse now, in in summary, think about it. Now when we put this verse all together, And we think about Christmas, meaning when we combine the fact that God not only came here and became one of us with the fact that when he did so, he revealed he's a loving God, full of grace and truth. When we do that, we get to start to see what the message of Jesus and of Christmas is all about. Because who is God? Who is Jesus? What is Christmas really about? Maybe you've always wondered that. Maybe you're here and you've always really wondered what really is going on with all the celebration of Jesus coming into the world. Well, in short, the answer really is Christmas is about God himself coming and revealing his relational love and in Jesus he reveals clearly he's a glorious God full of grace and truth. That's Jesus. That's Christmas. And on that though, just thinking about you and I here this evening, we, we do though need to know that God does reveal both grace and truth. And we do really need to get that because sometimes we or religions, or even people in the name of Christianity get this wrong and leave one of those out. And so it is important to note that what the living God reveals about himself is grace and truth in Jesus. Meaning God doesn't reveal some graceless truth, which is what maybe some of us in this room have experienced, because that can be more typical religion, religion that claims to be true without having any grace. And so God doesn't reveal graceless truth, but also the Bible is clear. God doesn't reveal some sort of truthless grace either. Some sort of sentimentalism that only is what we want to hear all the time. (laughs) Without any tough truths and realities and things like repentance. Instead, what God's word says here is that Jesus reveals God's glory is grace and truth. We need to hear that because that's what's good for us. Because as for truth, just briefly, God is always right, right? And we aren't. And so yes, he, he sometimes does reveal certain things that are true, that aren't easy for us to hear. And for example, the somewhat hard truth is that the reason God came, the reason Jesus had to go come so far and become one of us is because we each are sinners. We are far from God on our own. And Jesus in his life, his death, and his resurrection is clear about that. And so the truth is, I hope you know, that we each do need to be forgiven. We each do need to repent from our sins and embrace what Jesus did on the cross. All because on our own, we are far away from God. And so that is truth. And sometimes, to be honest, it's that very truth. Although it is true that keeps people from seeing this glory of Jesus. But again, God doesn't only reveal truth though, because God's glory being not just truth, but also grace and truth, shows us that most gloriously though, yes, it is true, we are sinners, God is clear about that, but most gloriously, I hope you know, that what Jesus as a baby, and Jesus as an adult, and especially Jesus on that cross, shows us is that God did not become one of us merely or mainly just to tell us a truth like we're sinners. That is true, but instead the amazing grace about Christmas, about Jesus and his message is that he came for the very purpose of forgiving sinners like us, of loving us, restoring us, and healing us forever. He came to show grace towards sinners. forever forgive and change sinners that's what jesus's birth life death resurrection show and in short it's that which also is glorious it's part of jesus's glory it's amazing because god jesus he didn't need to do all that but he did for us which then all that said bring us back now as we come to a close to where we started That then means that as we now all heard this, we now do each have to decide whether we agree with this. We have to notice now if we've seen and loved this glory of Jesus. Meaning that is Jesus and his glory, but now we need to accept this or not. And concerning doing that, this is actually where that word glory may actually be a little helpful because what we don't do, I hope you know, what we don't do when we ever become Christians is we don't add to Jesus' glory. When we become Christians or when we live as Christians. Because to be honest, that's almost silly sounding, isn't it? We can't add to Jesus' glory and to who he is and what he has done. And so rather, again, to be a Christian most basically just means that we see this glory. We realize how amazing Jesus actually is and we accept it. We accept him and we trust him because of what he did. And in fact, we won't go there for the sake of time, but in this book of John, even two verses earlier, John talked about this. He talked about Christians as, quote, those who receive Jesus. Receive. And I want to bring that up because really, at the end of the day, that's the goal in all this, to see Jesus as glorious and so therefore to receive him. And so I pray for all of us this, here this evening that no matter what you necessarily believed when you first walked in the door here, that you may do that this evening. And that means that if you are a Christian already, praise God, but I do pray that this evening you may see afresh through John 1, but also through everything in this service, you may see afresh how glorious our God, our Jesus, really is. Because God's glory is infinite, and we can never tire of seeing and praising God for how amazing he is and how good he is towards us. But then also, though, if you did come here this evening and, and to be honest, you haven't genuinely trusted Jesus... I pray that you might even do so, maybe for the first time this evening. Maybe through something in this service, God's word, you may see Jesus' glory this evening and trust him. See that you need him and so receive him as your savior, as your God. And, And finally, let's all do that. Because the truth is, church, one last time, we can't say it enough, the living God really did come here. His name is Jesus. And in the Christmas story, and in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and in how he loves us now, and in the fact that he is going to come back and make everything good and right again, in all of that, we truly have seen his glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and then we're going to hear the Christmas choir. Would you pray with me?